Welcome everyone, I'm Holly Bott, and this is From Surviving to Living, the podcast where raw stories of transformation are told. This is not just a podcast, it's the power of change. God is interested in you. My story is not fiction. I'm a woman, a felon, a sex offender. I did hard time. I am so awed by Jesus, I will risk my reputation and talk about it. He transformed me. He will do that for you. I trust him. I hope you do too. Are you hurting? Are you sick of just surviving? I was too. How does one really, truly live? God causes transformation. It is possible for everyone, thank God. I never saw it coming. Let me tell you how it happens. Get ready for your adventure of faith and life beyond bars. This is From Surviving to Living. In 2010, I was arrested. I felt like the problem in my family. Their strong beliefs made me feel like a failure. Have you ever disappointed someone or not met their expectations? How did you feel? These are the questions I had as I went through the jail's intake process. I felt really lonely and sad. Life before this was busy, but now I was stuck and powerless. The next weeks were about writing letters and waiting for mail. Getting a letter felt really special. Alyssa seemed like someone I wouldn't connect with, and she surprised me. She promised to write me, and her letters became my support. She was the first of many unexpected friends who changed how I saw the world. In this episode, I'll talk about unexpected friendships and how everything can change. This is Jail. Jail. I was arrested in March 2010. Again, I heard the familiar questions. What were you thinking? Why did you do that? I had long believed myself to be the source of conflict in our family. Our family shared religious beliefs, strong convictions, and high expectations to find a good person. I was an unlikable failure who nevertheless cried out for attention and love. I was an embarrassment. Have you ever let someone down, failed to meet expectations, How did you feel? Intake process at the county jail passed in a blur. Finished with my mugshot photos and fingerprinting, a female guard ushered me over to receive my clothing and hygiene. I slumped after her. Inside, I felt cold and withdrawn. 
hopeless. With little interest, I hefted the blue tub full of necessities, now mine, and brooded as she escorted me deeper into the building. Several times we paused before heavy metal doors with keypads, awaiting a buzzer entry before going further. The jail was windowless and quiet, able to house 264 male and female inmates in separate areas. My eyes roamed the large room, absorbing the hard red cell doors and furniture, cold gray cement floor, and the room's two other occupants. Despite the jail's large size and attempts at equal gender portioning, the men's pods overflowed with repeat customers, while the women's single pod often lodged just one or two women. I located my cell and dumped my belongings on the bed. I felt lonely beyond all belief, too sad to cry. I felt I'd been crying for days. I flopped on the bed and just captured the wall with my stare. I memorized every crack in the cement blocks. Life before this day had been busy, 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 always on the go with five children. I lacked the capacity to achieve quiet calm. My body and mind raged against this enforced seclusion and isolation. I felt contained and constricted, empty and frozen. I wanted to act, do something. I lacked the power, the permission. The next few weeks found me writing letters to my children family and friends. My family did visit, for which I was grateful. But I learned that mail, good old-fashioned mail, is something special. Young women, old women, everyone loved mail, me included. Women born with a cell phone in their hand and never mailed anything in their life felt the allure of the written word on paper from behind bars. I, like everyone else, rarely received it, but eagerly looked forward to every mail call. Three months passed before my husband secured my release on bail. During that time, many women revolved through the door of justice. Elissa was the first to demolish my immature views of life. Elissa blew into jail two weeks after my own arrest. Initially high as a kite, the tall leggy blonde made quite an impression. Over the next few weeks, I learned Alyssa had been to prison many, many times. She had more children than I, most given up for adoption. Alyssa stayed two weeks before her own release on bail. Would you like to play cards? Alyssa asked the room at large. With little else to do, I agreed. My fiance will be so mad at me, she bemoaned, twisting the large diamond ring on her left hand. Jail rules demanded such an item be removed during intake, but Alyssa's hands had been too swollen to allow it. Threats to cut the ring in order to secure its release from her hand had been made. Anxiously, she pulled on it with no success. Standing, Alyssa began to pace. After only a few strides, she relaxed. Returning to the table, she retrieved her cards and threw out a king. 
With a distant look, her eyes wandered the room. Ten years younger than Alyssa, I did not feel a deep connection to her. I was unfamiliar with her lifestyle, although I sympathized with her struggles. Christina arrived shortly after. First impressions put her age at a worn-out 60-ish. Deep bags under her eyes dragged the rest of her face towards her drooping lips. Even her eyebrows had wrinkles. Tired was a step she'd blown past in her desire to earn the merit badge awake for 17 days. Someone told me Chris was only 40 years old. Right then, I made a solemn vow to never ever do drugs. Christina flung herself into bed immediately and proceeded to hibernate, occasionally accepting food, which she devoured like a ravenous animal. 10 days later, she emerged from her cell, looking 20 years younger and feeling refreshed. I didn't recognize her. Another woman arrived, her face a mass of sores and scabs. I overheard her explaining her appearance. I burned myself while frying food. The woman next to me, aware of my naivety, leaned over to whisper, Don't believe her. That's meth for you. She's a picker. What? I recoiled in horror. What do you mean? She's been picking at her face. She did that to herself. Drugs will do that to you. I dared to examine the new woman more fully, now sitting across the room and playing a game. Her wounds looked nothing like burns, I wondered to myself. She left a few days later. And so it went. Women coming and going. My new education rounding out. The day came for Alyssa's release. I'd already heard the phrase, I'll write you, repeated many times by departing inmates to those left behind. I'd been quick to catch on that this was a lie, if a well-intentioned one. As Alyssa readied to go, she turned to me and said, I'm going to write you. Surprised, I looked up, searched her face for the reason. At the time, the jail housed about 10 women and I'd felt no special connection to Alyssa. Perhaps sensing my confusion, she clarified, I know what it's like to be locked up, how hard it is, how lonely it is. I'm going to write you. Finished packing, Alyssa gathered her things and left. Watching her leave, I wondered at her words. Alyssa seemed a stereotypical addict, unstable, unreliable, spacey. Her self-described life was messy and destructive. I would have thought her anything but a role model able to do what others failed to accomplish. Alyssa hitchhiked the two-hour drive home from jail. Four days later, my name was announced at mail call. Amazed, I slid open the large purple envelope to reveal a pretty card inside. Alyssa's loopy handwriting greeted me. Over the next three months, no one was more reliable, more dependable than Alyssa. Her letters and cards continued to greet me at least three times a week, every week, until I walked out the door. I was humbled. I am still humbled all these years later. She consistently spent time, money, and energy on me. She expected nothing in return. She was the first unexpected person to treat me thus. She would not be the last. 
She altered my worldview, but not me. Not yet. Listener, do you feel isolated? Are you looking for connection or understanding? Have you ever been surprised by the support or understanding offered by someone you didn't expect to connect with? Are you struggling to deal with broken promises? Do you have issues with trusting others? The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. The Bible says no one who believes in God, who relies on and trusts in him, will ever be disappointed. Romans 10, 11, and 1 Peter 2, 6. I hope you are encouraged today. Look for more episodes that inspire at hollybot.me. Until next time, remember, your story is never over. God's grace is always waiting to rewrite it. This is from surviving to living.